0: There you are. What's going on? Antonio Neves here, and this is episode 61 of the Best Thing Podcast. In this episode, I have a powerful conversation with Todd McCullough, also known as TMAC. He's the founder of TMAC Fitness, which is a home fitness program that has helped more than 20,000 people get in shape and get their mind right. In this conversation, we talk about when he was playing big-time college football at the University of Florida, and the program experienced a lot of turmoil. They had multiple head coaching changes, and Todd talks about what he learned from that and how he had to adapt and how he had to change so many amazing gems and lessons in this episode that you're going to be able to apply in your own life. And listen, I want to give you a heads up. There is some adult language in this episode, so I want you to be aware of that. If some young kids are around, that there's some adult language going on in here. Uh, I didn't want to beep it out because, guess what? Sometimes people swear in real life. So, want to give you that heads up in advance. Uh, cool news—you probably know this already stop living on autopilot my book is available right now it is doing fantastic the reviews the ratings on all the different book platforms have been so positive i love hearing from people who have read the book when you share pictures of the pages on social media keep it coming if you do not have your copy yet if you want to gift a copy to someone just head on over to the show notes where you can purchase the book right there again stop living on autopilot is available now and hey hey i got some good news this episode right here that you are listening to is brought to you by my good friends at caldera lab named by gq as the best natural face serum for men caldera labs the good is 100 made from plants and is an amazing non-toxic skincare product look i've used the good for the past couple of years and I absolutely love it. If you hear me talk about anything on this podcast, I actually use it. Now look, prior to using the good, the truth is I didn't really have a skincare routine besides washing my face and and putting on aftershave. Maybe that's why my face was rough as a, as a dirt driveway. But since using the good, I've noticed it makes my skin look and, and feel really smooth and fresh and straight up. It is an amazing skincare product. Even better, it smells fantastic. And for me, that this matters. This matters for you. If, if you deliver virtual presentations, if you're on computers all day like I am, you want to look and feel your best. And I find that when I use this product, it makes me look better. Uh, my confidence level's increase as well. So for all the guys out there of all skin types, by the way, I've heard some rumors that women love using this as well. Whether you are tackling dry skin, acne, scars, wrinkles, or you just want to invest in healthier skin, this is the one product that I use. Some cool news for the Best Thing podcast listeners, you can receive a 20%. Yes, a 20% discount off of your first Purchase, just go to calderalab.com and use discount code Antonio at checkout. That's C A L D E R A L A B dot com, calderalab.com, caldera and use the name Antonio, that discount code at checkout, to receive that 20% discount. Okay, without further ado, let's get to episode 61 of the Best Thing podcast with Todd T Mac. McCullough.
1: Welcome to the Best Thing Podcast, where we talk to thought leaders, creatives, authors, and entrepreneurs about how sometimes the best thing to happen to you is the most unexpected. Welcome your host, Antonio Nevs.
0: Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Best Thing Podcast, where I talk to people about the best thing to happen to them that doesn't include the traditional markers of success. I'm your host, Antonio Neves. I'm the author of Stop Living on Autopilot, a speaker, and a success coach. Each week, I bring on a new guest who has a powerful story to tell that will motivate, inspire, and help you see life through a new lens. Now, this week's guest is someone I met through a dear friend of mine, and I'm so glad I did. Through the pandemic, the work that he does has been a game changer for me, my mental health, my physical health, and my overall fitness. Todd McCullough, also known as TMAC, is the founder of TMAC Fitness, a home fitness program that has helped more than 20,000 people get in shape and get their mind right. His programs provide short, fast, and effective workouts with a strong emphasis on mindfulness. Now, over the course of his brilliant career, Todd has trained thousands of clients, including Olympic athletes and celebrity artists. Born in the rural South, back in his college days, Todd was a standout football player at the University of Florida, which is big-time college football. I can't wait to learn about that and so much more. Todd McCullough, T-Mac, welcome to the best thing. Dude, I'm pumped. That's the best introduction I've ever received. I brought it for you.
1: I'm getting hyped on that one.
0: Heck yeah, man. That's the locker room, man. We got to get you hyped up to go out in that football field. But the question that I'm excited to ask you, we say born in the rural South. I know that was Florida, but I want you to tell me and the listeners how rural is rural. <laughs> Paint a picture for us.
1: Oh, good Lord. Yeah, folks on the West Coast. Um, so North Florida, town's called Baker County. Uh, so the closest mall movie theater, bowling alley, was 40 miles away. So, you know, once or twice a year, uh, mom would take us into the city, which was the west side of Jacksonville, about 40 miles away, to get school clothes. And on occasion, uh, once a year, if we were lucky for mom's birthday, dad would take us to Red Lobster to eat. Ooh,
0: Red Lobster. Those
1: biscuits, those biscuits. So, yeah, man, it was pretty rural. It was one of those places. I'm so grateful and proud to be from Baker County, but it was one of those places where you either get really good at hunting or fishing, or really good at football. And I, I went the football route.
0: <laughs> I'm curious for you. I mean, I was raised in a rural area as well, and not as rural as Baker County, what you described. Uh, since then, you've lived in Los Angeles. You've lived in Nashville. You've lived in Jacksonville. You reside in beautiful Santa Barbara, California. Now, I'm curious, what what does that that rural upbringing, that, that vantage point, what does it provide you with? when you are in the big cities, when you are dealing with folks that know nothing about communities like the one you come from?
1: Man, I think it's that there's a few things, right? There's that grit of hard work um, that, look, you got to work your ass off to survive. You can't rely on anybody but yourself and your family. And it's a real tight knit family and culture. One of the things I was probably most proud of that I was able to build in L.A. To, you know, we met our mutual friend Drew is that. You, that community is really important. Hard work is really important. Your word, if a man doesn't have his word, he don't have shit. Uh, and so I always say that back home that I'll take a man's handshake over a thousand days, buy, you know, fine print contract in L.A. any day just because a man's word back home is his family. Right. So if it's the McCullough family and my brother said that he was going to go cut your line tomorrow at noon and he didn't show up, that's a reflection on us as a family. So we make sure that shit happens. And so that's one of the things that I think that is a part of who I am is a part of who I raise. Uh, you know, one of the things I try to maintain as I've you know, been able to experience some amazing and beautiful cultures and people from different walks of life who do things differently. Um, but I think that that family based, the, you know, the humility and just the hard work um, and the faith, the faith part for sure.
0: Uh, I want to talk about the hard work here in a second. And I didn't plan on asking you this question, but it stood out when you talked about, you know, you're only as good kind of as your word, but also how everything is a reflection on your family. Mm-hmm. Growing up, my dad made it clear all the time that you are a Nevs. Like, oh, be proud of that house. Yeah. How you show up is real deal, and every single night when we put our kids yeah. to bed, we say a prayer, and we, we end that with "I am a Nev's." Right? We, we we let you we love God, all that, but we we let you know you're a Nev's. You you do that now with the kids every single night. We say you are oh, strong. Love. We say we say you are strong. You are healthy. You are loved. You are conquerors. You are children of God. You are a Nev's. God, that's then we, amazing. Yeah, we go on to say another prayer. So my dad always instilled this: like your last name, be proud of it. So could you talk to me a little bit about? The reflection of the last name, and the reflection, the importance of family, and how you show up. Because even though now you are not there in Florida, I, something tells me your family is with you always. Always,
1: uh, uh, you know. I, I ran into my uh, my aunt, and you know, if you grew up in again in the rural in the rural South, your aunts like your mama, your, your uncles are like your daddies, and your cousins are like your brothers and sisters. Uh, you know there's always someone living with you someone going through losing a job or a hard time or in a divorce so like my grandmas were living with us my uncles were living with us my aunts were I mean so they all help raise and it's a village that helps raise the family and uh, you know you'd have a little league baseball game and we'd have a whole damn set of bleachers at the McCullough's like the whole thing and so I ran it just back home this, this past Christmas and my aunt's been living you know out in Georgia the last couple of years and I haven't seen her and Man, we caught up during Christmas. It was such a good time. She uh, you know, she lives in a motor home now, and she lives out in one of those uh, kind of community parks in her motor home. And I hadn't seen Aunt Tammy in years. And I can tell you right now, brother, I can call her at midnight. Aunt Tammy, I need you. Aunt Tammy, will hop in her motor home, drive out all the way out to Santa Barbara, 3,000 miles away.
0: That's what family is all about. You had me laughing here. I was trying not to laugh too loud when you said there's always someone living with us. I, I know that feeling all too well uh, have a family, have your back. I mean, that's just so special. It's so unique. I can still think back when I was a kid, something happened at school. I got in a fight or something was taken from me when I was a young kid. When we got home that day, I was afraid to tell my dad, but when we told him, guess who got in trouble? Not me. My older brother got in trouble for not taking care
1: <laughs> of his little brother. Yeah. That's a little counterintuitive these days. You know, I got there. We could go more to this, you know, my, my dad, um, my dad grew up rough. You know, my dad gave me a much better life than he had. Uh, but he was still, you know, he had me at 21. So he was kind of a knucklehead, too. And he also did uh, undercover work with the DEA and the U.S. Marshals for p- police. So he did. You ever seen that movie Training Day? Oh, yeah. But Denzel? That's essentially what Pops did. Undercover, buying and selling dope on the streets. And so, you know, you were talking about one of those five, I can remember being in in elementary school. And I was like, you know, this, the skinny small white kid who lived in the black neighborhood. And there was a big guy that was picking on kids in the neighborhood and at school. And I can remember pops, you know, little, this may be frowned upon today, but pops coming on was like, if I ever hear about this kid picking on anyone else in the neighborhood and you don't beat his ass, I'm going to beat your ass tomorrow. And he's like, he may beat your ass, but you know, you can't beat my ass. And so I went to school the next day, recess broke out. I punched the kid in the nose Get sent home. The principal calls. Pops comes and picks me up. I am like, yeah, good job. High five. He's done for today. <laughs> wow. but, but that was kind of like how it was growing up. It was like, you know, you can you can, you know, say raising a kid may be a little different. And There's some definitely some mistakes that might have been made. But going back to what we talked about, it was like you don't rely on anyone else. You take care of your business.
0: You're talking about some real life stuff right there. And listen, this podcast, this episode's about you. But as you're talking, man, it's bringing up so much stuff from my experiences growing up. As you were telling that story, I forgot how old I was. But something was happening when I was back home, and I have this uncle. I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm six foot on a fantastic day. Uh, and my uncle, something was happening, and there's a big fam- a family member that was really, really big. I mean, and I remember he was doing something, causing a lot of havoc. And I remember saying to my uncle, who's much smaller, smaller than me, and I was like, man, if he wasn't so big, I would do something. And my <laughs> uncle looked at me like I committed a crime and said, I don't give a damn how yep. big he is. Yep. It's not about winning. It's not about losing. It's about you got to stand up in those moments. We could go so many. So <laughs> but,
1: but that's part of your character, right? Like you look at every, and everything that you've done right now and the obstacles that you've overcome in your life. And, you know, I'd love to hear more about your story as well. But there's something about teaching a kid early in life. That sometimes they have to stand up for themselves, and like like your uncle, my dad, he didn't give a shit if I got my ass kicked. Didn't really care. It was just, are you, are you, can you get rid of being afraid, and can you stand up for what's right? If this guy is picking on kids smaller in the school, it is your job. You're talking about being a Neves. It was our job as McCullough's to take care of those who couldn't take care of themselves, right? So I saw my dad became a police officer. My brother's a police officer. So it's embedded in us to make sure we protect those who need help.
0: Something happens when you stand up in those moments. And again, it's it's not about winning or losing. It's about something happens when you choose to stand up and it creates some type of momentum, like in a weird way, it's like compound interest. The more you Mm -hmm. stand up like that, amazing things can happen. We're going to make a really, really harsh pivot because we could go Go down that direction. I love it. But I want to make a harsh pivot. Before we go down the road, of talking about one of the best things to happen to you. But we mentioned about your background, having TMAC Fitness, helping over 20,000 people. The work that you do is amazing. I'm a testament of it. It's work that I do at home. It's been amazing over the course of this pandemic where I'm not going to a gym anymore. But one of the biggest eye-opening experiences I've had working with you is how, first and foremost, rarely are your workouts more than 30 minutes uh, on your platform, which I think is amazing. And what I love about those, I know there are, there are some that go longer than that based on kind of what the goal is of the workout, but what's amazing is, is, Todd, in those 30 minutes, man, I accomplish more than I used to accomplish in an hour or 90 minutes at Equinox or at the gyms I went to over the years. Can you talk a little bit for folks at home about how sometimes how we can, A, waste our time at gyms and how we can be efficient and get amazing workouts at home it's hard to describe unless you do it but thank you and and you experience it right and i think it helps
1: bring out that inner athlete in you but ultimately what i've seen after over a decade of training people one-on-one training people online is that you can fucking hide hope i don't know if i can cuss on this podcast you can hide too too late too late so we're doing it all right you can hide in the gym You can go and clock in and say I did a workout and there's nothing wrong with going to the gym. I love going to the gym. Um, There's great trainers, great classes, but you could hide. In our system, there is no place to hide. It's pulling out any weaknesses that you have. It will pull out of you. This program was designed by what I knew and learned as an athlete at the University of Florida, performing at a high level with yoga. So if you're a big muscle guy that likes to lift weights and you haven't done the yoga part, that part will kick your ass. Right. If you're a yogi and you like all the yoga stuff, the hit training will kick your ass. These workouts will challenge you no matter what level you at. Now, once we start reaching a broader base and a bigger audience, we create a beginner workouts that are amazing for people just looking to get started or maybe have an exercise in 10 years. We have two amazing trainers, former college athletes that you would appreciate that teach the beginner classes as well. Uh, But the advanced workouts are the advanced workouts. They are like, it's kind of, you know, it's funny. It's kind of goes into the punching and the fighting con. I don't really care if you get your ass kicked, just don't give up, right? Mm -hmm. Like if it says 30 seconds of pushups and you can do 15 seconds, you bust your ass for those 15 seconds and then you just fight like hell to hold on that last 15, right?
0: I love that, when you talk about as long as you don't give up, because there are moments during the workout when you're like, listen, go for it. I don't want you just trying to slowly ease your way through these next 60 seconds. If you burn Mm -hmm. out, cool. I think you said a few times, I'd rather you burn out while you're doing this than, than coasting. Something else you talk about in your workouts that I really, really like. And though in your messaging, you don't say you must do these workouts to start your day, you do get across the advantage and the value, if you do choose to get this workout done first thing and how it's going to make the rest of your day yeah. a bit easier. Can you talk about that some? It's all
1: about knocking down that first domino, right? So when you get up in the morning, don't, there's something empowering about doing that hard thing first. So you go ahead and do that hard 20 minute workout and then the rest of the day just falls into place. And then I think it's also important too, that we may touch on more, bit is that these workouts all end in a meditation and prayer, which allow you to connect to your spiritual practice, allow you to ground and connect to really what's important. Not just, you know, getting in physical shape, but hey, like it's setting you in the framework to be a better leader in your work, to be a better husband, to be a better father. And then when you do that first thing, we, we always talk about stimulus and response. So I see stimulus as the 20 minute hit workout, right? Now things are going to happen throughout your day that are completely out of your control, right? For everyone listening right now, you may have had a good day, a bad day, but there's going to be times where there's things that are completely out of your COVID this past year, right? Completely out of your control. Shit happens. How do you respond? And so that's where the meditation comes in. It's like we put the body under stress, right? Where it is really hard. And then we ask you to switch the nervous system over and come back to your breath, connect to your spiritual practice. And so that when you get stimulus, you know you're in, you've are you already trained first thing in the morning to come back to your breath and choose an
0: appropriate response as opposed to just reacting emotionally. I want to talk about reacting emotionally here in a second, but you mentioned doing the hard thing first. Some people call it eating the frog. And it's funny, man, because here we are right now. It's 3.25 p.m. as we do this interview. Yep. Mm-hmm. And guess what, T-Mac? I didn't do my workout this morning. So I found okay. historically yeah, it gets that much harder. Way if harder. I don't get it out the way earlier, I got kids are going to be home soon. I got dinner time coming up soon. And so by me, nah, I slept in today. And by the way, yep. my sleeping in was 6.05 a.m. today for everybody. We think, oh, he slept okay. in to 8. I slept <laughs> in to 6.05. Yep. Uh, but that meant I didn't get my workout in. But it gets yep. that much harder if as the day goes on if we don't get it in. So I want to encourage people to get it in. I want to encourage myself to recommit to getting it in early There's in the morning. All-
1: you got 20 minutes the work those the 20 the 20 minute
0: workouts you literally everyone's got 20 minutes everyone has 20 minutes you mentioned spirituality you mentioned faith a little bit you talked about the meditation here's what i found really fascinating about you in the world that you exist in i mean listen if you go look at todd on social media big following on all the social media platforms etc and one thing i tend to i tend to find with people on those platforms is you don't hear them talking about prayer so much. You don't hear them talking about Jesus so much. You don't hear them mm-hmm. talking about God, et cetera. I think one of the first times I did one of your workouts, it was a hit workout, actually, and this beautiful backdrop in the Pacific Palisades. When you ended the workout with the stretch and then went down and actually did a prayer, it caught me off guard. Yeah. So I was like, this is the first dude I've seen in all the workouts I've done over the years. I'm a former collegiate athlete myself. But this is the first dude I've seen in my life without no apologies, without no uh, caveats, end a workout in a prayer. Now, obviously, that means that maybe I haven't spread my wings enough in my life. And could you just talk about unabashedly uh, being willing to put your faith out there and uh, why it's important and how, why you end your workouts like that?
1: Yeah, it's interesting, you know, um, I could go a few ways with this, but I remember asking a friend of mine who's, you know, I respect a lot in the industry and asking other professionals, I was like, Hey, I'm looking to create these workouts. And I want to end each one with some sort of prayer. um, Because I think that we all need that that spiritual connection each day. I said, there's, you know, two things that are important to me in life always have been is exercise and my, my faith. And I want to give people uh, tools so they can, Workout, but also connect to their faith every single day. Uh, and we always know that working out is good for us. We know that meditation is good for us, but they're always in separate, right? And so, like, if I'm asking you, you know, Antonio, business entrepreneur, all these other responsibilities at home to give me in you know, the traditional hour long workout, then create 20 more minutes for a meditation, it's just it's never going to happen. You're going to have to pick one of the two. So, what I found was I wanted to com- use movement as a tool to go into the spiritual. So the the mind right meditation that most of the workouts end in is like a part as an early Christian. Like I came into Christ when I was 12 and that completely transformed my life. You know, I talked earlier about my father. There was a lot of good he did. And, you know, there were some things that, you know, he was raised really rough. But I picked up the Bible at 12 years old. Twelve, I came to know Christ at 12. I think I've been 15 when I read the Bible, but read it cover to cover and the Bible became alive to me. Uh, it taught me the man that I wanted to be. Uh, you read the book of Proverbs, listen to King Solomon, so much wisdom in there. And i that's been a critical part of my life. And so I wanted to make sure I gave people just a few moments each day to connect. I always say, whatever your spiritual practice is, completely up to you. We just create the framework for you to do that. And that's one of the things I'm super proud of. We have Christians, Muslims, uh, we've got Jewish uh, brothers and sisters in our program but we essentially create the framework uh, for them to connect your spiritual practice. And I think that's just as important. Honestly, if you ask me why I work out today is to simply go deeper into my meditation practice. And there's something about shocking the system first Antonio that allows us to go into the meditation a little easier.
0: Yeah. Let's do one more question before we get to this question of the best thing. I find all this extremely fascinating, but I read something. I'm not sure if I read it on one of your social media posts or maybe on your website, but we're t- you're talking about mindfulness. Mm. I found something a little bit, the word irony is the wrong word, but I was like, hmm, perspective on this. Cause you talk about how mindfulness helps you turn off your aggression. Yeah. My brain as an executive coach that works with a lot of top performers. They're like, if I turn off my aggression, then who am I? Like, I don't Mm want to lose that spark. I don't want to lose that edge. So I know a lot of people are afraid to get into mindfulness Mm -hmm. because they think they're going to lose some type of edge. And I can even think about you as this, you know, high-performing athlete, former football player whose aggression you use to your advantage to knock fools off the block, you know? So can you talk a little bit about the benefits of how it helps you turn off your aggression. And for that person's like, that's afraid that that's going to take their superpower away from them. Uh, what do you say to them? Yeah.
1: So let, let me clarify a little bit and then give you a story. Right. So going back to how I was raised in the rural South where we got that stimulus, you handled it with physical violence right there. Right. So, and again, that works really well on a football field and people always, you know, you, we, if we can all probably remember the horrible video with Ray Rice where he punched his wife or girlfriend right in the elevator. A lot of people remember that. I have no idea about Ray. Could be a good dude, could be a bad dude. But I'm willing to bet because I've been around enough football players that when we get aggression, it is naturally in us, largely based on our genetics and based on our upbringing, to react physically, forcefully and fast. Right. So my freshman year, I'm at University of Florida. We're number one team in the country. And I'm still fresh off the farm from my small rural town. A guy in high school had said something about my girlfriend in high school. This is a whole year later. I'm a freshman in college now. Well, his name popped up. I'm literally like getting ready for bed or just in my, you know, in my hotel, uh, dorm room. And I hear that the guy is, he's like some somewhere downtown at a fraternity bar. So without literally now without thinking nothing of it, didn't think anything of it, Went put my contacts back on, called him on the phone, drove downtown to the bar he was at with all his frat guys got out of my, drove my pickup truck down there, pulled up on the curb, got out and punched the guy in the face and then went back to bed, went back home just thinking that was, because that's just how we were raised, right? You got stimulus and you responded. You ended it right there. Well, evidently civil society doesn't work that way. So I spent the next 24 hours running from the police. (laughs) I was having to go from the house to house to house uh, while I got a hold of the football coaches to figure out how to turn myself in. Thank God this is all before social media. Um, and so that's what I was saying that I didn't. That was my first lesson in that when you get that stimulus, you have to pause sometimes and to think about your actions. Right. Like you have to make a conscious choice. Now, all of those listeners are, well, I'm not going to punch my employee. Correct. You're probably not going to do that. But are you reacting emotionally? Right. Most likely, yes. Can you rise above that situation? And this is where the meditation comes in. I always say that the best meditation, the best workout you do is the one you consistently do. And it is amazing how you can train the brain just a couple minutes each day. You and I are in a heated debate right now over work. Can I rise above that situation? See two people that care passionately about a subject. And then instead of reacting emotionally, come back into the body and make a choice that's best aligned with my true self and what I want to accomplish in that situation. That's what I mean by being mindful. Is in a stressful situation, can you rise above that, and be super present, and make a conscious choice?
0: Something else has been a consistent thread of our conversation so far, though neither of us have said these words I'm about to say. I'm also hearing you talk about having standards and having yeah. values. Mm. Is that fair to say? Is that fair to say? I'd say I consistently fall short, but I try. We all do 100%. But I think if we have those in front of us, it can make a really big difference. I love how you just broke that down, especially. I never thought about that from a football player's perspective, and of course, that, that's no excuse for anyone committing domestic violence or any absolutely. type, absolutely, or any any type of crime. But I never thought about it from that vantage point where they folks have been trained in certain professions to immediately respond in a in a way of aggression and how even our upbringings. And I grew up in an aggressive household yeah. where domestic violence and certain things. Existed where my response was immediately to get aggressive and or bounce right, which is a, that's a whole other conversation. But yep. you have me really, my brain spinning on a lot of different levels right now, and I think this is well, really awesome. It,
1: and it doesn't have to be aggressive, right? Like it could be, uh, it could verbally, be leaving. It could be leaving. It could be verbally attacking, right? Like someone's giving you criticism at, at work, and you need to. It, you, maybe you didn't show up and bring your best work that day, and you need some reinforcement right there, some correction. But instead of learning and growing, you just ball it all in and make it personal. Right. 100%. Maybe, right. It could be just be as simple as that.
0: And for some people you make it per other people, when things get challenging like that, they just bounce. Yeah. Where did they go? They they left, they quit or think they just couldn't show up. So we'd have to go a whole other hour of our conversation <laughs> and dig into that. But I think it's important. I'm glad you brought it up, but let's talk about the, the subject of this podcast. The best thing, you know, child, when people talk about the best thing, most times people talk about graduating from university getting a job, having starting a company, having kids, buying a home, all those traditional things, which are awesome. But I've also found that sometimes the best thing to happen to people very rarely, if ever, will appear on a resume, a bio. right? So what what would you say in your life? I know you have a variety of options that you could share. What's what's one of those things that have been the best things that happened to you that has had an impact on who you are today as a man?
1: I would say my, you know, as an I got trained to be an entrepreneur when I didn't even know what that was. When I was in college playing football, I had no never in a million years. I think I'd be an entrepreneur. I don't even know what the hell that meant. I was playing football, and that was my life. I did. I left. I left home at 15 years old to go to a private high school to go play football, uh, with just the opportunity of hopefully and dream one day of playing college football. And got that opportunity to go to the University of Florida. We were number one team in the country coming out of high school in my part of my freshman year. Got upset, ended up number three in the country. Uh, but during that time, you have, and I think all of us can relate to this. We had this vision, right? This idea that we have made it. This is what Florida always won SC championships, always competing for a national championship. This is what the next four or five years was going to be. Nothing but championships. That's why I went to the University of Florida. Well, Steve Spurrier, for those who grew up in the South, was a legend. He was everything back home. He was Mr. University of Florida. Well, after my freshman year, all of a sudden Coach Spurrier says, peace, I'm going to the Washington Redskins. that brought down a cycle for University of Florida where we basically sucked. I say sucked. We were eight and five, nine and four, which sucks for University of Florida, where I had three head coaches, three defensive coordinators, four different linebacker coaches, right? End up having five surgeries total from football. And so what I learned was that those who can adapt to change survive and that those who don't die. And when I look at us as entrepreneurs, you and I were just talking about before we start recording. My social media is down big time right now. Whatever reason, algorithm, who God knows what it is, it's down big time. You you can't sit on your laurels like, oh God, poor poor me. Like the algorithm's down. Why would old good old Zuckerberg do this? Small business owner. There's no time for that bullshit. Like you have to figure it out and get back to work. And I think that that's the thing that I've learned from football was. There's no time for that. You have to learn to adapt
0: fast. And so, for people to understand just just the stakes of college football and what it's like, and you said adapt to change. So, when you went through new head coaches, multiple head mm-hmm. coaches, when you went through, I know one of them was Urban Meyer, who's uh, yeah. you know name has been in the press a lot for the past few years, and now with a position in the back in the NFL, when you went through multiple defensive coordinators, you were a defensive player. Can you just talk about just what dynamics are like for a kid in college because in my experience, specifically when it comes to a sport like football, it's really about who recruited you. And yeah. if that person who recruited you, right. who wanted Todd on that team, yep. your advocate, if you will, yep. is no longer there. And then other people are coming and bringing in their people. You got to fight. So what was it like for you trying to done. find your voice, find your space? Yeah, you nailed it. Well, a, cu- a
1: couple of things is quickly you learn that different coaches want things done a little differently. And you have to adapt. Like if all of you out there, you work for a boss, you have to learn to use your gifts, but adapt to what that boss or that coach needs. And every usually you get into a system, right? Like you said, coach recruits you, he develops you, you come along, that type of thing. But every year I pretty much had a new linebacker coach. And you, this is the University of Florida, man. You're recruiting the, every year, some four or five star badass kid from, you know, middle of nowhere, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, right? Where all of a sudden it's easy for the coach to come in and say, well, I've got my guy now, now we're going to be better. Right. And so you can't just be, even though I started most of my time at university of Florida, usually you're you've got your starting job and you don't screw up. It's your job. Every year I had to re earn, re earn my spot. Not only that was during the off season, I'd have a surgery typically. So I wouldn't be able to do spring football sometimes when a new coach comes in. Right. And so there's usually 13 linebackers on scholarship. And if you asked us to run to, you know, a 10, 15, 20 yard sprint, I'm going to finish 13 out of 13. I was by far the worst athlete every year. And for some reason I was able to be a top, you know, a top three and start like one of the three linebackers. Never could physically dominate, but good enough to start. Um, And that's what it says. You couldn't just be as good. You had to be that much better to leave no question on the table that they're betting at that level and that pressure. If, and this is one of the things we talked about Urban Meyer, it was, there the standards are extremely high like it is you literally get fired for going eight and five ron zook who was the coach there for those two years got fired for going eight and five you miss a tackle it is not just the ninety-three thousand people in the stands going to see it and a couple million more on tv film room is ass kicking like it is brutal it's, it's a different process the level of pressure on those kids is unreal
0: yeah, when, and when Ty talks about film room, that's after the the game when they get into the room and the different respective uh, departments, if you will, and they watch the actual game film to watch what went good, what went, what didn't go good, and they're letting you know when things did not go good. You talk briefly, man, about having to basically re earn your spot every year. Obviously, it goes without saying, you're a competitor. You're gonna fight. You're gonna bring it every single day, but what type of, how would you define, if you look back now, man, maybe we can look at college athletes overall right now, specifically with a high a high profile sport like football, what were your stress levels like? And I wonder, and I know we can't go back and change things, but I wonder even what, what role mindfulness would have played at all in your life back then. It would have been an asset, liability, you weren't ready for it. What do you think? I really think athletes
1: need mindfulness right now. I think it'll change their lives on and off the field. Uh, Stress levels, you will to be real? At 20 years old, I was shitting blood. And yeah, that's the... I mean, we didn't really know what it was at that time. Like, was there something going on to do all these upper, lower GI tracks. Looking back, it was just stress. That's how much stress you were under to win at the University of Florida. Um, And and that's that's the reality of it. So yes, having some sort of mindfulness practice. I can't just better as the kid. It's just, I saw so many, I got, look, I got teammates that are in jail now for life that I loved dearly back when I was playing and just giving them some sort of tools that they can learn to get that stimulus and response to come back to their breath, make a positive choice uh, that'll help them, you know, live the life that we all want them to live and not make bad choices.
0: So yeah, athletes definitely need it. Yeah, I mean, listen. I was a track and field athlete. By no means were the stakes as high as what you were experiencing on a daily basis. Though I did for you, they were.
1: But for you, they were. That's life. That's you. For you, they were. For you, they were.
0: It's interesting you believe that. It's interesting you say that because now that you say that, yeah, I felt some pressure on my own. Maybe I didn't have the cameras on me in the way that that you did, by all means. But I wanted to succeed. and I wanted to win. Just a, a couple more more questions for you. I find this extremely compelling and fascinating, and. And by the way, I have to point out when you mentioned that you guys came into the season number one, and then you mentioned when you got you got upset. I saw you even frown when you said that. I can tell that it still stings
1: <laughs> that you not, got upset nine eleven happened fucking bin Laden. We had to reschedule Tennessee after Florida State, so yeah yeah,
0: I, and I can see it still hits you that 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 loss, um which is okay. I, I, mean, I mean
1: my class was the first class in like eighteen years or twenty years that did not win s c championship. It still sits with me.
0: Yeah, that's that competitive spirit. This is gonna be my last question for you. And and it's an interesting mm-hmm. one based on where you are today and the work that yeah. you're doing. Uh as I've gotten older, obviously my body has changed quite a bit mm-hmm. and I've had to adjust. It's amazing when your brain, when you still think you're a, a 21-year-old long jumper and triple jumper that can dunk and do all these different things. And then you see a video of yourself running and you're like, I look like I'm walking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but you mentioned having to go through surgeries, multiple surgeries uh, while you were a collegiate athlete. Mm-hmm. And I've even seen you mention in, in recent, in some social media posts, maybe some, some knee challenges you've had and all that. Yep. Uh, talk to me about just working in this field and what injuries have taught you because all of us, listen, as we get older, all you got to do, some all someone has to do sometimes yeah. is ask me for directions and I lift <laughs> my hand up to point and I'll pull it, I'll pull the yep. tricep. But what, injuries and overcoming them have taught you?
1: Well, I will say that it's taught me a lot about
0: actually physical
1: training. So there's a lot that goes into our program. We could have a whole hour conversation on why these exercises, why your workout calendar has you do certain movements on certain days to help prevent injuries, why we incorporate yoga. There's a, that's a whole other side. But for everyone out there, the biggest value that I could add to you right now is that when injuries happen, You need to shift your mindset to not what you can do, but what you can do. And that's a big shift, right? Because, again, when bad things happen, we kind of get sad, we get depressed, and it just that trickle effect just continues to snowball and snowball. Right then, when that shit happens, like this is my process, it may not be best for you, but if I had a bad injury or I had a surgery, I would acknowledge that moment. I'd have a cold beer that night and then get back to work the next day. Right. And so, like, for me, one of the things that I found that even when my injuries flare up or I can't even do a push up, I can't do a chat, I can't do chat I can't even hardly do yoga if my injuries flare up that bad. I'll take my ass to the cold ocean at the beach at sunrise It's about 55 degrees during the winter. I'll hop in the ocean and just breathe and just focus on my breath it's good because I'm not going to let anything keep me from starting my day in a positive mindset. That is the one thing that I can control. I can't control a lot of things in life I've learned, but I can control and take ownership of my
0: mindset. Well, that's powerful. I'm not going to let anything stop me from starting my day with a positive mindset. What a great reminder that I have to remind myself and remind people that we have a say in this. You have a say in this. And some of Todd's videos, by the way, uh, of all the many ones that he has online uh, with his program. Uh, some have his have a beautiful surfboard on his wall <laughs> that I. That I like to look at, listen, man, this conversation can go on and on. I've loved it. I learned a lot about you and a lot of things we actually have in common that I I didn't think we had in common. Uh, For those folks that want to learn more about you and learn more more about TMAC Fitness and what you do, uh, of course, I'll put a link in the show notes, but where should we send them?
1: Yeah, just go to tmackfitness.com. You can get some free home workouts there, and then we have the Mind Right Daily Meditation that I do every day. That if you got your own workout program, awesome. Just do this meditation. I would encourage you right afterwards. It's completely free. You can find all that on uh, the website, or I'm on Instagram. Some you can go to at tmackfitness as well.
0: Beautiful. Well, Todd McCullough, T Mac, I appreciate you, man, for coming on the Best Thing Podcast. This has been this has been a lot of fun, man. This has been a lot of fun. We got to get you up to Santa Barbara, bro. Get that surfboard out. Let's do it. I've never, I'm I'm an, I'm an amateur surfer surfer. So we got some work to do, bro.
1: I I'm awful. I just sit on the board and listen to you to be in God's presence. That's about all I do. I I I, I don't, I don't catch a wave. All right. I can do that.
0: Thanks again, man.
1: (laughs) All right, brother. Take care, man.
0: Hey, Hey, this is Antonio popping right in. And was I right? Wasn't that episode with Todd T Mac McCullough? Absolutely amazing. I'm just fired up over here. Look, I want to remind you that this episode was brought to you by Caldera Lab, named by GQ as the best natural face serum for men. Caldera Labs, the good, is made 100% from plants and is an amazing non-toxic skincare product. I've used this product for years and I absolutely love it. So whether you are tackling dry skin, wrinkles, acne scars, or you just want to make sure you look your absolute best, this is the one product. That I would recommend for skincare. Great news as a special offer to the best thing podcast listeners, you can receive a 20% discount. Yes, a 20% discount off of your first purchase of the good. All you have to do is go to calderalab.com and use the discount code Antonio at checkout. That's C A L D E R A L A B dot com and use the discount code Antonio. All this information is in the show notes, so go check it out.
1: Thanks for listening to the Best Thing Podcast with Antonio Neves. Join us next week for more stories that'll help you see the world through a new lens. For more resources, go to theantonioneves.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you share with a friend and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.